Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us as we open your word this morning. We pray that your words would be heard. We pray that our hearts would be attuned to your word. And we thank you for this Easter morning, Lord, and for each person that's come today. The opportunity to lift our voices, to sing, to read the scripture, to meditate on your word, to celebrate the resurrection, the first day of the week, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to that end, we give you uh, this, this time now as we continue to worship by looking into your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I know I enjoy um, uh, looking at the, the night sky and the stars and on uh, a nice clear day, uh, the things that, uh, that we see in the sky, the moon and the stars and all that uh, our Lord uh, has created. And, uh, you know, on that first Easter, we gathered on Good Friday and we uh, looked at the uh, the, through music, uh, the story of the crucifixion of our Savior, and when Christ was placed in the tomb, and uh, people went home, and the tomb was sealed. Uh, I'm sure in the Middle East, uh, this time of year, when this took place, it was a uh, beautiful, starlit, uh, quiet night, uh, almost as we sing, you know, silent night uh, during the Christmas season. As we look into the night sky, and uh, sometimes if you're, I know when I've been in particularly places away from the city and uh, you begin to look in the sky and you begin to see, and uh, you know, it's one of those things that the, the more you look, the more you see, right? The more you look at the stars, all of a sudden you just see more and more and more. And uh, it, is very, uh, it is very peaceful. It is very um, uh, beautiful. And uh, it just seems so uh, quiet, to enjoy the night sky, especially on a quiet night somewhere where you're away from the traffic in the city, to enjoy the night sky. But as we get closer into that sky, if we could, and uh, we've had the opportunity, of course, in our lifetime of uh, engineering marvels, uh, such as the Hubble telescope, and I'm sure you've seen on the internet and magazines and the newspaper, some of the photos of the Hubble telescope as we begin to get closer, we begin to see the amazing array of stars and of power and the lights and, and the numbers are just, you know, really beyond our comprehension when they begin to talk about the millions and the billions and uh, the universe that our God has created and the distances. And it's just amazing to stop and think that, you know, when I look at the stars at night, what I'm seeing if it took that long to get to my eyes, it may not even be there anymore. I mean, you know, um, we start talking about these light years away. But as we get in even closer to, to this, and we begin to, to see these pictures from the Hubble telescope, for example, and we begin to see and realize the power that is being unleashed in the universe. We look at the night sky and it's, 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 it's calming and it's beautiful and almost peaceful. But as, as we were, if we could get there and be in the middle of it and, and to all of a sudden realize this constant energy and this power that is constantly at work in our universe, that our God has created. The song, I enjoyed that, the song the choir sang, the first song you shared this morning. 
And when we think about that, when, when the Lord says, you know, I am in these various parts of, you know, of our existence and the earth and the, and the, and the, and the, and the breeze. And, you know, the Bible says that, that our, our world is held together, that the Lord Jesus Christ holds our world together. Uh, he is the power that, that holds our world together and he is present. And, and we go into the universe and we go into the night sky and then we'd be amazed at the power that we see, this constant energy that's being unleashed and exploding and, and stars being created and, and, and the amazing things, just amazing things that we see. And we're reminded when we see this, we're reminded of God's word. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Throughout the Bible, we are reminded of God's power and the energy at work that, that, that we, of course, we believe is, is, is from our creator, who is who's the continual creator, the God of our universe. And then we come back to our, our, our world, in the sense, my world, and I look at the night sky, and um, I don't see that. If I look at the sun, I, can, I guess that's as close as I'm going to get to seeing that energy unleashed. But as I look at the night sky and the calm and the quiet, and to realize... That is all going on in the universe. And that night that they laid Jesus in the tomb and they went home, went to their beds, uh, nobody was expecting him to rise again. Nobody was, they were expecting to see him at the resurrection, the last resurrection, as we know, uh, when, when he told Mary and Martha that you will, your brother will rise. And they said, yes, we know we'll see him at the resurrection. He meant, no, you will see him soon. But they weren't expecting to see Jesus. And as they went away and left, and at that quiet night, and for on the third day, on the third day, in the Jewish calendar and mindset, any part of a day is a day. So exactly how many hours elapsed? It was the third day from his crucifixion. He was placed in that tomb. And it was a quiet time. Everybody went home. The guards were sent to guard that tomb. And the body of our Lord Jesus Christ laid in that tomb, and he was dead. His body was dead. As we gathered on Friday night for Good Friday and were reminded that he, he was dead. He died. And he was laying in that brand new tomb that Joseph of Arimathea had provided. And it, says, and it says in John, at that place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in that garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus in that tomb. And the third day came, and it's the day of resurrection. Easter morning, the reason we gather on Sundays is because it's the first day of the week, the day that the Lord rose from the dead. All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of the resurrection. They all tell the story, the encounters of the various people that come and, and, and share in that story. Over the next uh, several weeks until the uh, second week of June, uh, we're going to uh, spend some time on, we've been the last few Sundays on the road to the cross, and we're going to go on the road to Pentecost, uh, the Feast of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to talk about some of the events. Next Sunday, uh, Pastor Kevin will be preaching to us 
on one of those events. Also, uh, Bill Riggs is going to be with us next Sunday, and we're going to have him uh, share some music with us. So I hope you can come and join us uh, next Sunday morning as we continue this journey uh, from the tomb to Pentecost. As I read the Gospels, I think my, my favorite, we all have our favorites. I mean, I, I hate to say that because they're all, of course, great and important. But my, my favorite telling in the Gospel story from John, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and she saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, which would be John. John's writing this and refers to himself as the other disciple whom he loved. In John chapter 20, and she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. It never occurred to anybody that he was alive. Somebody stole his body, and they, we don't know where they have put him. And Peter, and I love this part. Uh, I, I've told this story many times in uh, Awana when I, when I do the stories at, in, uh, in the Pals and Pioneers and Sparks and so forth, and different times. Uh, this, is a, this is a great lesson. Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb, and both were running. But the other disciple, that is John himself, outran Peter and he reached the tomb first. He got there first, but he stopped. But Peter reached the tomb right behind him. You can imagine these two disciples running for all they were worth to see what happened to Jesus' body. They were going to find out who took his body. And they ran to the tomb and, and John gets there and he stops and he looks inside and Peter goes right by him inside the tomb and he looks inside that tomb. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go all the way in. He came right into the door and stuck his head in and looked. Then Simon Peter was behind him, arrived, went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, John, who had reached the tomb first, he also went inside. He saw and he believed. He believed. It doesn't really give us any more details except he believed. But they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead, but, but they believed. I think they believed that he was not stolen, that, that he was alive, that there was something different. And they went back to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she tells them, they, they've taken my Lord, my Lord away. And she turns around in verse 14 and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? She thought it was the gardener. And she said, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said, and I just love this part. Jesus said to her in, in his Aramaic, Miriam. He spoke her name, and the minute he spoke her name, she knew it was, it was her name. It was Jesus. She heard her name, and she turned and said, Rabbanim, which means teacher. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. The story of Easter. The resurrection. If we could enter into the story, you know, this morning in, in Sunday school hour, we entered into the, to the Easter story through these various stations and activities. But if, if you or I could just enter into the story one more time afresh and new, 
what my heart has been contemplating and thinking uh, as I've c contemplated this Easter story again to, to bring to you this Sunday morning, I've been thinking about how did it happen? See, they saw the results of it. They came to the tomb. In fact, we know that the Gospels tell us there was an earthquake and, and, the, and the stone was rolled away and the soldiers shook with fear and fell down as if they were dead. But friends, that earthquake was to, to, to remove the stone, the, the, that earthquake and all that, when the stone moved away, the stone didn't move for Jesus to get out. The stone moved away for humanity to come in and see. God didn't need the stone taken away to raise him from the dead. It was opened up for humanity, for you and for me, through the Gospels, to come in and see he is not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. When that stone was closed over that grave, and then that quietness of that first Easter morning, that first dawn, in that quietness, just as we look at the stars at night, and, and, and the quiet and the peaceful, and we see the stars. But if we could be in the midst of them and all of a sudden realize the power that is at work in our universe and the energy that is on display, the mighty power of God, with that quiet Easter morning, in, in the silence, when the guards were keeping post, and the people were preparing to, to wake up and to be the first one at the, at the crack of dawn to the tomb. Something powerful, powerful happened that you would have to have been there to have experienced and seen, but it was kept secret. It was a powerful act of God. And this morning for our Easter, as we, the last few minutes we have together, I would like you to look at the book of Ephesians in your Bible. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Because there's an application of this power to our lives, to my life, and to your life. I'd like you to look at Ephesians chapter 1, and particularly want us to consider verses 19 through 21, but... But just to give you the background, in this particular passage of Scripture, Paul says in verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. He's praying for the church at Ephesus. This is on uh, eastern, or the western coast of Turkey, this, this church at the city of Ephesus that Paul had spent so much time in, and had, had discipled and trained these people and the leaders there and knew them well. You know, so I think about you, I pray for you, and I thank God for you. And I'm asking God, he'll give you the spirit of wisdom, verse 17, and revelation, so you may know him better. Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And in these first verses, Paul talks about the, the past that he has called you, he has saved you. And he talks about the future. He's looking toward the future, the hope to which he has called you. But it's the next few verses for our Easter meditation this morning for the present. And I want you to look at verse 19. Paul is still praying for them. 
I am praying that his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. You know, I must admit, you know, I, I've grown up with this Easter story. Now, I went to Sunday school as a child. I, I know the story well. I've been through many Easter uh, meditations and services and Sunday school lessons and children's church lessons. I know it very, very well. And sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of fall into the little bit of a situation where you just, you, you kind of think, well, the resurrection happened because it was scheduled. It was the next thing, and so it just happened. But it didn't just happen. Any more than Adam and Eve, when they were created, when God created Adam from the dust of the earth, it didn't just happen. God did it. God exercised his power and his will and his creativity, and he created our world, and God created the heavens and the earth. And, and we as Christians believe God created the heavens and the earth, and he created Adam, and, and he took Adam, as the Bible tells us in Genesis, and took his rib, and he created Eve, these mighty acts of power. They didn't just happen. They were acts of God. And what Ephesians tells us, and Paul tells us, that this resurrection of Jesus Christ didn't just happen. It happened because God exercised his tremendous, explosive, amazing power. And I want you to look at this passage, and I want you to see how, how Paul describes this. He's talking about the resurrection here. This is the Easter passage in Ephesians. At the beginning of verse 19, when Paul says, first of all, his incomparably great power for us who believe. And there's going to be, it's interesting, he packs into this, listen, you know, if, if you were trying to describe something or relate something that was just over the top, and, you, and you, were, you were packing in all the adjectives you could find to explain something. One of my grandsons, you know, he uses the phrase sometimes, it's totally awesome, totally awesome. Well, you know, awesome is awesome, right? I mean, awesome's pretty big, you know? Um, our choir is awesome, they're good, you know? And, uh, and this weekend with, with uh, Good Friday and, and Easter, he would say, that was totally awesome. Meaning that, that it's good, but it's even it's over good. It's better than good. It's a home run. What, what is a home run? A home run is what? It's gone. It's out of the park. In some places, it's in the river. You know, it's in the parking lot. It might hit your car. It's out of here. It's totally gone. And, and, and Paul, actually, this, when Paul begins this and says his incomparably great power, this is a, a uniquely Pauline word in the New Testament. And it's like, a, he's just like grabbing He's just, he's just using as, as big a thought as he can use to describe God's power. It's incomparable. It's irreplaceable. It's, there's nothing that can touch it. There's nothing that can come near to God's power that took place on Easter morning. Totally awesome. Incomparable. Indescribable. Unbelievable completely gone. And then he uses, in this passage, he uses four more words. I mean, he's just piling these words on. I just want you to get this morning, Paul's, the Apostle Paul, who on the road to Damascus 
had that vision of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was saved and that blinding light that threw him to the ground that he experienced the actual presence of God. He, he knew about this power. And as he received revelation from God and he, and he re, and recorded these stories, as he, as he spent time, I'm sure, with the, with the apostles that were there, the eyewitnesses, and, and, but, but no one was there to see what happened. And God revealed this to him and he said, listen, it was this totally awesome, incomparable, great power for us who believe. And the four words he uses, he says, he goes on, that power is like the working. There's an, it's another word for energy power. There's four words crammed in this little sentence here. There's, this, there's, there's power. There is, there is the working. There is the mighty strength. And finally in verse 20, there's the exertion. Four words. And those four words for power give us the, they, they overlap. You take them together and they describe the, the potential, the actual working, and the results of this power. You, you have, they're all four slightly different, but they overlap and they give us this total picture of God's amazing power that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The first one, power, you know, in the Greek word dunamis, you may have heard it's the word we get dynamite from, but that's kind of, that's a little bit misleading. Dynamite didn't show up for a thousand years later or more, you know. I think dynamite maybe came from that word, possibly. But dunamis, it, it doesn't mean, don't think in terms of an explosion, you know, of dynamite. Dunamis, the, the, the word really means the power or the ability. The ability. The power or the ability. The second word he uses is, is the word working. Uh, let's see if you can guess what English word we get from this. So, energian. Anybody got it? <laughs> energy, right. It's the word that, it is the word that we get energy from. It's the idea of taking this potential power and putting it into action. God's indescribable, totally awesome power that he put to work that he energized. It was like the working. And then he says, it was like the working of his mighty strength. This, this, this mighty strength, and that word stands by itself. It, it just means this strong power. And then finally, he uses this word that we could translate exerted. He exerted it. The power was there. He put it to work. It was mighty power and it was exerted. And listen, friends, on that quiet dawn, on the third day after the crucifixion, something took place in that tomb. It didn't just happen because it was on the schedule. Paul clearly says, there was an explosion of God's power. And it raised Jesus Christ's body. And it did not just raise it back to life. You see, other people had been raised back to life. Lazarus came back to life. Jesus raised people back to life. The Old Testament, other people had come back to life. But this was the first time. This was different. This was like the creation of Adam. In fact, Christ is called in Romans the new Adam. Because Christ was changed. 
and death would no longer ever touch or have an effect on the Lord Jesus Christ. He was victorious over death. He was raised from the dead and God's mighty power exploded. And when all the, the, and when the, and the powers in the universe and the satanic powers and those who would put him to death, and the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about that, that warfare in the universe, the unseen warfare. And, and, and when they maybe had thought they had finally won, they had finally killed the Christ, they had put him to death and God exploded in power and brought him back to life and raised him victorious over death. He was alive, and it was different, and he could never, ever be touched again. And it was by the power of God, and it all took place. Just as quietly as I can look at the stars at night, but if I could be there and experience that power, those guards outside that door until that earthquake took place and threw them to the ground. Nobody was inside to see it. Everybody saw the aftermath. Everybody saw the effects. Everybody saw the results, the resurrection of our Savior. God's power was mighty. God's power was mighty. The Lord Jesus Christ had predicted. He says, they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And we see right here that not only was his power exercised in raising him from the dead, but notice in verse 20, and seated him, and seated him. It was the power of God that raised him to the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the age to come. It was the power of God that raised him and seated him at the right hand of God. The power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 4 tells us the importance of this. This is so important, the resurrection Because Paul tells us that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness. How? By his resurrection from the dead. It was the resurrection from the dead that declared to the universe that he was the Son of God. He was seated at the right hand of God. And the Spirit of holiness declared this by the power of God. The power of God. What was Paul's point in Ephesians? What's his point in making this? What's his point? Listen, friends, as we leave today, I want you, I want you to look back at Ephesians at, at chapter 1. And you'll see in verse 17, I, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him, that your eyes would be open that you would know this power, that you would know this power of God in the present, in the present. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter, who ran into that tomb, who ran into that tomb and, and saw that it was empty. And Peter says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. You know, what kind of a hope? Can you see that? What is it? Huh? Can you say it? living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is a living hope. 
This power is for the present. This power is affecting our lives today. The power of the resurrection was not just something that happened that first Easter. It is the power of God. And, and, and there's three aspects I think of my life. What does this mean to me? When I was a young boy in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we've shared this weekend, that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man, that he went to the cross of Calvary, and on the cross of Calvary, he suffered and paid God, and God poured out his anger and wrath because God is holy and just. You know what justice is. You know what, you have a sense of justice. You know what it is. He poured it out on Christ, and he paid my punishment. He took my punishment for my sins on the cross of the Calvary. He paid for my sin, and he was placed in the tomb. And God raised him from the dead, victorious over death. And, this, and it was explained to me as a young boy that if you in simple faith as a child will receive Jesus Christ's payment for your sins, God will give you new life. God will forgive you for your sins. And you will spend eternity with him because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't do anything. You can't join our church for it. You can't get baptized. You can't give money. You can't do anything. It's a gift of God. And that was explained to me. And I remember sitting at Camp Gilead over east over here by Carnation. I remember sitting there. And I remember in simple humility, I, don't, I didn't understand it all, but I, I understood what I understood. And I said, yes, God, uh, I received Christ. I didn't, tell, I didn't tell my mom was Camp Cook. I didn't go tell her. I, I didn't do anything. But I'll tell you, the Bible says on that day, God's power gave me life. I became a new creation. And the Bible tells us that today, God's power is available to us. It is a living hope. It is a living hope. God's power. I mean, look at me. I'm not any different. We're all the same. Look at us. We're just people, right? You look great today. It's Easter. You look nice. I look nice too, right? Thanks. <laughs> I bought a new tie for Easter, okay? But look at us. We're just, we're, there's nothing powerful about us. I can't even touch the rim anymore. I mean, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing, but look at Keith, look at him. There's nothing powerful. But God's power is at work right now because I have the Holy Spirit and God is in me. And, by, and Paul says, this power is available to you, Jim. God's power. God's power in my past and my day of salvation. God's power in my present. And finally, listen, friends. God's power in the future. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that wonderful passage of Scripture that describes the day of resurrection. There is a day coming. We will all be changed. Paul says we will not all sleep. Some of us will. And over the last 2,000 years, many of our brothers and sisters have gone to sleep. They have died including many of our loved ones, many of my loved ones, many of my dear friends and family. But Paul says, listen, there's a day coming. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trump of God will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. This perishable must put on imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. And listen, friends, 
on that day of resurrection, I firmly believe that every one of us are going to, we are going, I mean, it's not just going to happen because it's on the schedule. God is going to do this. There is going to be a powerful explosion of God's energy and power and working, and he is going to change. If this happens today, I am going to be changed. I'm still going to be me. You're still going to be you. We're still going to have our persona, our personality. We're going to have a resurrected body. But it's going to be different. But I am going to experience, and you will experience through Jesus Christ, the power of God that will change us. We will all be changed. This is the message of Easter. Now in closing, this is a powerful passage of Scripture. Listen, you've got to take time to read Ephesians 1-3. to As he comes to the close of Ephesians chapter 3, and he, and he brings to close all these thoughts, look what he says here. Now to him who is able... To, you know, Paul is grasping for these words again. I mean, he's looking for the totally awesomest word he can find. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than... Th- Come on now, look what it says here. This is written to you and to me. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. What? According to his power that is at work within us today. The story of Easter, God is at work in you today. If you know Christ as Savior, if you've received his forgiveness for sins, you've received the Holy Spirit, God's power is at work in you today. Whatever is going on in your life, Whatever challenges, and, and, life, and life can be challenging sometimes. Life can be difficult. Uh, life can be a challenge. Whatever is going on in your life today, friends, God's power is available. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know. But I do know this. Paul says that same power that exploded and raised Christ from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father is available for us today. And you can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. And if you know Christ as Savior, you have that power. You can get through this. You can overcome. You can know that you have hope, that you have the resurrection. You can have joy, even amidst challenges and difficult. You can have joy because of the security of how much God loves you and what he has done for you, you have that power. As we leave this place today on this Easter Sunday, I want you to leave with this, with this thought. It was the power of God, the totally awesome power of God that raised Christ on Easter morning when no one could see it. And I can't see that power in you, and you can't see that power in me. But the Bible says it is there. It is there. It is there. And it will be there this week and this day. And whatever comes your way, God has promised, I am with you, even to the end of the world. That power of Easter is there. The power of Easter morning is in our midst 
today and here for us. And friends, that is a wonderful message. It is good news. It is gospel good news because God loves us so much. Amen? Amen. He is risen. Let's close our service with our, our last song. Thank you so much for the beautiful and wonderful music we've shared together this, this Easter morning. Would you please stand with us now? You disconnect. We'll sing together. Okay. Amen. Hey, next Easter, you need to come and sit right here in the front row so you can, you can hear that coming this way. Uh, you sound so beautiful this morning. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. I'm going to have a word of prayer. But before you leave, let's enjoy. Uh, choir is going to share a benediction with us as the final closing. And when they are finished, uh, come out and join us. Uh, time refreshment or just fellowship out here and go home, enjoy your families. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for coming today. Remember God's power. God's power is available to you today. For whatever is in your path this week, wherever God takes you, God's power will go with you. And if you're here today, my friend, and you've never received the power of forgiveness for sins, what a wonderful thing to be forgiven to experience God's love for you personally by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can do that right where you stand. You just tell God, I understand, I'm a sinner, and I understand Jesus died for me, and he paid for my sins. And I wish to receive by grace your gift of salvation and eternal life, and you will be saved. The Philippian jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your power that raised our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, from the, the grips of death to new life, to resurrected life, to life from among the dead. He rose from among and out of the place of the dead and from the dead. As you tell us in Ephesians, he is seated at your right hand, but he is our Savior. He is our Savior. You are our Father. And the Holy Spirit dwells in each of us and dwells in us together. And the power of God is present this Easter morning. As weak as we are, as difficult as life may be for some of us today and some of the challenges we are facing, yet the power of God rests in us and will bring us safely to our heavenly home. But each day that we're here, it is a living hope and living power. And we are just such a thankful people today on this Easter morning, 2014. You have been so good to us. And we love you. We love you. And we thank you for calling us together. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.